one year I kind of got an idea, you know, I almost tried trap. I like to trap, I like to make lure, and I like to write. Where can it go from here? I would be able to spend more time in the woods. I was losing money hand over fish trapping, but I didn't care. Getting the traps out there is the hardest part, I think, with them. I would leave the critters in the back of my truck in the high school parking lot. We're going to set traps, like, no matter what. Some of these guys have trapped these areas for generations. We got through the fur boom. This is Northern Michigan, this is what you do. Trappers love game trappers in a positive light. I'm gonna ask you guys a question. Do you know everything? This will be fun. Trying to learn something from these legends. Ask questions without asking questions. Volumes of Perfect and Game magazine. The structure from Perigo Gorman. Perg Lennon's articles, the Perg Lennon ads to information, trapping radios. We are trappers on ourselves. To me, that's pretty important. Alright, everybody listening to me? Develop a system yet that's working ahead of time to build big trapping. If you got variables to change the characters, you got bog trap. They start talking about these big fans. Most of my tunes are coming from up top, not down bottom. Probably the best part of the country in the world. I don't get any better. Trying to set predator trash and trash waders. The back of that beaver looks like a sheer. You better edit this part out. Yeah, it was better. Back in the fur shed. Trapping today. I'm Jeremiah Wood. Thank you for listening in. Great to have you here. We're brought to you by Cox Brothers Lures. K-A-A-T-Z-B-R-O-S dot com. Trap smarter, work harder, enjoy the success that follows. Cosmos has what you need to get started on the trap line. Trap snares, baits, lures, books, DVDs, everything you need. Get going. Cosmos.com. On X Maps, use your phone as a GPS on the trap line. Mark trap locations, run tracks, check out the latest aerial imagery and get landowner information, you're going to use the OnX app for so many different things. Go to onxmaps.com, use the code TRAPTRAP for 20% off. It's a pretty sweet deal. You can get a, a great discount and an app that you're going to absolutely use for so many different things, trapping and beyond. Finally, Moyle Mink and Tannery, M-O-Y-L-E, Moyle.net. Go to Moyle.net and get your fur tanned by the professionals. Moyle has been in the business for decades. They're a family-run business. They do an awesome job. Very easy to get going, get started with them. Just go to moyle.net and use their online customer portal and get your order taken care of. Uh, get your fur shipped out to them over in Idaho, and they will. Um, they, they just do an awesome job. I, I mean, they're they're just. Uh, it, it is the place to go. I mean, there are a few other tanneries in the United States, but Moyle is kind of above and beyond, and uh, I think they're pretty much the go-to for most of us trappers. So check them out, moyle.net. Let them know that you heard from them uh, at Trapping Today. So in addition to being a trapper and a biologist and a number of other things, I'm turning into a machine guy, it turns out, and I'm learning to turn wrenches, uh, stubbornly and um, not super excited about it but it just uh, it's kind of worked out to where I'm in the process of producing all of my own hay to feed my cattle herd for the winter and so that process has started and I'm working on equipment and banging around on stuff and running a welder and learning to use different tools that I never thought I'd need to use in my life and it's a process and it's it's good, it's exciting, 
it's also very frustrating. <laughs> so anyway, the, these long, nice long summer days, we're getting to the end of May here, beginning of June, and it's great for getting a bunch of stuff done outside, but I found myself recently spending daylight to dark just banging on machines and trying to fix old equipment because that's about all I can afford to run. So anyway, just uh, kind of got out of the field here, about dark here today, and uh, working on some stuff, and actually put together, made, made a few hay bales uh, with my round baler in the field, and uh, worked out a few kinks, worked out some kinks with the, uh, not only the baler, but a bunch of other equipment, and it's, it's just a big, long process. So I know that's not really germane to trapping it's off topic i get it i i always tend to talk about trapping here i don't i don't typically go off topic but i thought i'd let you know a little bit about what's going on in my life because it is the off season and i've got a even though i got a stack of beaver pelts right behind me here in the first shed that need to go to moil and i got a bunch of other things that i need to take care of at least uh for now the trapping's kind of on the back burner and so we've, uh, you know, all of us just kind of find a number of different ways to spend our time in the off season. Some people are just right straight ahead trapping 24-7, 365, and that's awesome, but that's a small minority of people. Uh, others are already getting going and maybe maybe making wax dirt, maybe boiling, waxing your traps, dyeing traps, Um <clears throat> You know, there's so many different things to do. You can get out there and scout, but it is, you know, it's beginning of June. We got a lot of summer left to go, and we got a lot of things to do. So, um, there, there is time for now. But anyway, that's what I've been doing lately with myself, and uh, been pretty well straight out. I guess I've kind of relegated myself to this reality that I'm going to be very very busy in the summertime and I'm okay with that it's it's actually a lot of fun and very productive it's it's a good thing it just takes a little bit of getting used to sometimes Um, so that being said I sat down with Cole Porter Cole as a lot of you know if you've been listening for a long time he's a friend of mine from here in northern Maine and he has been trapping for a few years now I've had Cole on past episodes. He's been with me at Neil Olson's Trappers Weekend. We've had him to talk about uh, a a couple of different topics uh, on trapping. He actually was out on the trap line with me. We recorded an episode or two doing that. So uh, those of you who have been around for a while are familiar with Cole. And in this episode, we're just going to kind of talk about his trapping season last year and a little bit about you know, just just general thoughts on trapping. Um, we sat down and recorded this. We did, oh, we had a, a pretty long recording. We covered several different topics. So we started out with Cole's trapping season last year, some, some details and information about his area that he traps and other thoughts. And we just went back and forth. The second part, we talked about the Maine Trappers Association getting involved in your state trappers association and the benefits of that and and the things that he's been doing and then the third part of our interview we talked about bear trapping which is a pretty unique uh, subject on its own 
And so tonight we'll talk about the we'll get into that first part and we'll go over Cole's trapping season, talk a little bit of just kind of back and forth, and um, we got going talking on the phone and I uh, I cut into this a little bit early. I I was recording. We were talking a little off topic on hay and machinery and a little bit about the economy, just a lot of general stuff. And I was going to delete it and I thought, what the heck? Some of you guys might be interested in listening in. If you're not, just fast forward for about 10 minutes and you'll get into the trapping part of the episode. All right, guys. Hope you enjoy it. I thought it was funny, but anyway, it's it, it'll work out. It'll work out. Yeah. So now I have two 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 halfway working rakes that might make one good one. <laughs> <laughs> you have, you have a you must have everything else then, huh? Yeah, I do. I I have uh the mower, the haybine that I had last year and I, yep. I just went through it and new new belts and a bunch of new tines and and fixed a bunch of stuff that was broken on it when I got it and I'm putting new tires on it. And then yep. I I actually bought kind of in the process of buying a disc mower that's in in quite a bit better shape it doesn't have a conditioner on it but it'll go a lot faster than that hay bind yeah and then i've got i got i bought an old tractor i bought a 1962 massey ferguson 65 which is about 50 horse of the pto and 50 55 and it should do uh it should do good as like a a backup tractor if my John Deere breaks down. Um, yeah. Or, or uh, you know, you like kind of have to have something. Right. Cause it's, it's just big enough to run the round baler and run the mower. So, yeah. Um, I, yeah. I, I heard you talking about it on the podcast a couple weeks ago. I think you said something about buying one. Yeah. That's uh, it stinks. The new ones are so much now, even the cheap, you know, the, uh-huh. you said the coyotes you were looking at 40, 45,000. Yeah. Weren't they significantly less? Yeah, they were thirty-five <laughs> just a few years ago. The same tractor. So, yeah, they were a pretty pretty good price at thirty-five, probably. I for what they so. were. Yeah, and, I think everyone even, that had them liked them. Right, and, but even at forty-five, they're they're flying out the door. I mean, he had he had three that he had sold, and he had one left that I went and looked at there in Caribou, and the I. I got sitting down in it and looking around. And he said, "Oh yeah, by the way, this one's sold." But I got some coming in two weeks. <laughs> People must just really love having their entire life financed to a bank. <laughs> well, the thing no, I can think all, of <laughs> all of this free money, man. Uh, free, well, Uncle I, that's Sam. True. And wh- what I'm kind of the, one of the reasons I decided I actually ended up going back to him, and I he had that. Uh, old Massey was on a trade and I got it for 4,500 instead of 45,000. But what, what I'm thinking is all these guys that are buying tractors right now in a couple of years, uh, when maybe things aren't so easy and the payments are still coming and they don't really use them. And, uh, I think we might see a lot show up on the used market. I think we'll see a lot of everything show up because <laughs> everything is like buying a four wheeler or a snowmobile last oh, winter. Everything gone and used vehicles the value of used vehicles going up like it has and yeah it's crazy yeah i'm terrified i'm terrified that my f-350 breaks down and i'll need to find a hay truck i know it's i there's no way i could buy that today no not for a reasonable price for what you know you're using it a couple a few weeks out of the year for one task 
Yeah. yeah. And you're trying to save money by doing your own hay. Right. Yeah. It doesn't take long before you're getting close to what it would cost to buy it and have it delivered, probably, once you start having stuff break. Maybe, but uh, that cost has been elevated significantly uh-huh. the last few yeah. years. So. Way too much now. Uh, yeah, and and it's nice being able to be dependent on yourself and not others. So. Especially where you are. It's not like you – well, even here it would be. I mean, you don't have, it's not like there's a ton of options. No. No, there's three, there's three they, or four guys, and, and uh, they all kind of have – stuff going on already they already have customers or they're feeding their own animals so um, yeah and you can't depend on any of them they'll tell you a price and then they end up changing their mind or yep someone else offers more yeah it's, it's a cutthroat business so anyway i i've i've been uh I, I don't know drag kicking and screaming into the hay business i really didn't want to do it um for a lot of reasons it, but I, after i did that Last year, I did like half. You know, I made I don't know 150 yeah. bales, and I I calculated the numbers. It really isn't as expensive as everybody was telling me. So, um, I no, it's probably not very bad for you to do a round bale now. No, it, when you add up, I added up all the fuel and the the breakdown and whatever. Throw in some wear and tear in the machinery, and I I penciled in like paying myself twenty dollars an hour to sit on the tractor. And I still, I still did it for maybe a little more than half of what I was buying it for. Wow. Yeah. So it's, 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 and you're, that's paying, pretending to pay yourself, like you said, right. 20 bucks an hour. Right. So, wow. So, um, wow, it's, that's, that's significant. It, it, now, now if I blew a motor on the tractor, that might change. Maybe I'm not factoring enough wear and tear or whatever, but, um, but boy, it really, I mean, I know fuel's up now from what it was last year, but it doesn't take a lot of fuel to knock down 20 acres of grass. No, it's pretty quick. Yeah. And then you got, you got a pass, you know, maybe a pass or two with the tether and then a pass with the rake and then bail it up. Yeah. And you're probably not paying much of anything for the ground you're haying. Zero. Yeah. Zero. People, people just, everyone. I'm taking a, the fields that nobody else wanted. They're bumpy and rough and small and irregular shaped, and so yep. uh, the the farm the landowners just they they don't even want to bother to bush hog a lot of them. So yeah, it's a it's a good deal in that sense where uh, I don't have to pay anything for land. So yeah, but that's I, how it is here in Sherman. Anyone that you know needed hay for cat you know cattle, they'd be able to make their own for yeah, find land no problem around here. You do have to be a little careful, like long term, because if you keep pulling uh, hay off of the ground and don't put anything back, uh, yeah. you know you lose a lot of yield that way. So, uh, like at some point, you probably have to add some fertilizer, add some some wood ash, and yeah. that I paid uh, a farmer to fertilize one field that that he's been letting me hay this year, and I saw the fertilizer bill; it just about jaw just about hit the ground. So, um, <laughs> it costs, it costs, it, yeah, it costs a lot more in fertilizer than, uh, than it did for all, all everything else combined to produce that, that hay. So, um, well, we'll see how much it increases the yield because the other I thing, I bet it will be pretty good looking with, it, you know, fertilized. And last year, the, the, all those numbers where I penciled it out and I was doing really well, 
that was on a drought year when a lot of the ha- fields were half the yield of what they normally would be. Oh, definitely. Yeah, it was, it was pretty slow growing. So we're going to be, you know, I'm going to be covering the same amount of ground and hopefully have quite a bit more uh, hay on the same same amount of area. Yeah, the only benefit of no rain with hay is that you get plenty of time to, to make, hay, make hay, but it doesn't grow good. Yeah, it dried down really good. Yeah. It was half dry yeah. when I cut it. <laughs> I didn't even I mean, have a tether I- last year. I, I couldn't afford to buy one at the time. And, and, but I didn't need it. I just, I just mowed it, let it stay, lay on the ground for uh, a day and then, or, you know, day and a half. And then the third day I just rake it up and bail it and it was dry as could be. No kidding. <laughs> so you, did you buy one of those this year? I did. Yeah. I just bought, yeah. actually, actually had to buy a new one. It was, it's two years old, but it's, it was off of the lot as you know, yeah. new. Yeah. So that was that was actually the most expensive piece of equipment I have. <laughs> yeah, but it'll last you forever. I couldn't find <laughs> a used one. I, I, other than yeah. driving to Vermont and maybe getting you know getting there and realizing I don't want anything that's there, um, there wasn't really anything close by. So. It's surprising that there isn't more you know available. Yeah, it's just when you buy Probably one, then they it. start popping up. It's like tractors. It, so. Yeah, yeah, I think it's like that with everything. I'm Every looking for a skid someone... steer, and there was a guy down your way. He was Island Falls, I think. Uh, had yep. one. It came up for sale on a Sunday morning. I saw the ad on Facebook, and then, uh, like, I went to do some stuff. And I told my wife about it. But like three or four hours later, I went back to check, and it was sold. Yeah, <laughs> must have been a fair price. It was. Yeah, it was. It was. It was a. Uh, yeah, it's low. It's lower than a lot of them that were listed, but. Um, and there was one up in Limestone that that was a really low price. It was like, oh, it was a lady. She wanted like sixty-seven or sixty-eight hundred, and it was probably a twelve thousand dollars skid steer. Yep. But that went that oh. went that same day yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. Everything good goes fast if it's desirable. There must be something people need. So. Yep. Like a good lawnmower. Or- uh, a lot of things like that go real fast. <laughs> yeah. Especially time of year. Mm-hmm. And like you said, all the government money. Everyone, I think everyone's had their best year in a while in, in up north because everyone <laughs> kept working. So, yeah. I mean, people with kids, I mean, it's been good. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, and yeah. it, I don't know. I, a lot of it's funny like you look all over the country and and see like a lot of people lost their jobs but up here most of the industries up here were essential you know there wasn't yeah almost all yeah there's a little bit of tourism and stuff but most of it like everybody that works in the woods none of them stopped working yeah and i feel like a lot of people that do tourism stuff have they have other income streams or they have other options like they got a job right off the bat if they want it yeah yeah if not the unemployment paid them more than they've ever made (laughs) exactly and people up here are kind of used to uh you know getting having pretty hard times or low times and they're not making a lot of income and so you know they they can kind of get by but then when you see a check uh, you know uh how many what two three different stimulus checks come in and all all the money all the money pouring down from the sky uh a lot of people are spending it, man. 
Oh yeah, and the, I mean, like the the few people that were on unemployment, I mean, it's so many of them. It had to have been the most they've ever made. So. Oh yeah, yeah. And it was running around a thousand dollars a week. And I don't like, even think know. I don't even think you had to. <laughs> a thousand a week. I don't even think you had to uh, to uh, do fill any claims or anything to show that you were looking for a job. No, you didn't. They took that off. I knew a couple people that did it. <laughs> it was gone. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I know pe- new people that did it for good reasons and people that work the system, so. Oh, yeah, there's, it's, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. I mean, I get it. I get it. If, if everyone's going to have at it, then it makes sense. Plenty of people are going to take advantage of it and grab the money. Take the money. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, geez. Every, anyone, everyone should have a, a rainy day fun now. <laughs> Oh, they won't, though. They won't. No, no, no. No. Huh. I'm putting mine in, in uh, iron. <laughs> iron. Oh, yeah? Iron and animals. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. at least when uh, when inflation hits and all the money is devalued, uh, my tractors will still be worth something and my hay baler will be worth something. <laughs> yeah, your cattle. Cattle. Be worth Everybody's got to eat. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. And traps, huh? Yeah, well, yeah, you might as well buy lots of, a lot of TS-85s and, <laughs> you know, full aisle 330s. <laughs> it's it, it's funny, like, I, I sell, you know, I buy and sell a lot of traps on eBay, or I have in the past. Yeah. And I, I was just, like, halfway through my last uh, batch of traps, or a good part through them, and, and I started get to thinking, like, why am I even – like, why am I even selling these and turning them into cash? Because with inflation and with all the shortages, everything's going to be in more higher demand. These traps are just going to be worth more, it, you know, a year, two, three years yeah, from now. Yeah, later on. <laughs> so, oh, so, most likely. <laughs> you're right. So I think, well, I, I could turn them into cash, and I could put that money in the bank and get 0.001% interest on it. <laughs> or I could buy something yeah. else that's going to sit around. And, uh, so. <laughs> You you could buy Dogecoin with that money. Yeah, there's no Doge, no <laughs> cryptocurrency in my portfolio. <laughs> yeah, I don't have any either. <laughs> oh, did did you? Uh, no Bitcoin, no Bitcoin for you. That, no, no that Bitcoin. crashed today. Holy smokes! Man, that, that went down I, like thirty percent. Sure there's so much fluctuation with those. It makes me just be like, yeah, I, I don't need to. I don't need any part of that right now. No. <laughs> I did or buy even some... individual stocks, like, uh, sure, I'll buy mutual funds and different things like that right now, but I don't even want to invest money in individual stocks because the markets just went, you know, yeah, up, it's up down crazy since January. Well, even like two, was it like two years ago, it was at 13,000, two or three years ago. Now it's 34,000 in the Dow. I mean, really? Are those companies really worth, you know... T- uh, almost three yeah, times of what they were. <laughs> it was pretty artificially bumped up since like March of last year. Yeah, everything went sky yeah, pre, high. Pre-COVID, and, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything went up, and now a lot of things are going to drop, and it might be quite a while before they get back to where they are and have been. <laughs> yeah, it might be like I- I'm wondering if it. You know, we could go through a period of time where 
20, 30 years of really slow economic growth because we've had all this like growth kind of pushed, pushed ahead. And, and, uh, it's all, there's so much already factored into to prices of everything. That yeah. 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 I hate, I don't, I don't like to think about that. <laughs> means I'm going to have to keep working in my 60s and I don't want to be. Yeah, like 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 our retirement plans, I think are are calculated based on a 7% annual return. And yeah. you can't get that in bonds. So they're buying stocks and they're buying risky stocks to try to achieve that. Well, you know, what are the odds that we're going to see 7% return in the stock market over the next 20 to 30 years? Yeah. Uh, it's hard hard to tell i i mean i think recent this last bit of time i think it's been really good returns like last year was awesome but for a lot of people but man it's that's gonna that's gonna go away well that's like yeah that's like four or five years worth of returns those companies aren't making that much more money so. yeah yeah buy traps yeah. buy land i actually bought uh some gold mining stocks and those are, those are doing really well right now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Because everybody's getting are. scared. You know, everybody's getting scared and, and uh, going to gold because things like Bitcoin dropped 30% overnight. And yep. it's, uh, I guess, you know, it, there's actually something there rather than just a couple numbers on a computer. But. Yeah. The only stocks I, I bought, I, I sold, and then they went about six times more than what I bought them for in about a month. <laughs> Yeah, don't get back in. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Hey, you want to talk trapping or what? Yeah, sounds good. What, what's the topic? What do you want to talk about? Oh, it doesn't matter to me, anything. All right. I actually, I had a, geez, I, I was in the process of starting a list, uh, and I never finished it, and I lost it. So <laughs> I got to get a pen here. <laughs> uh, so I wanted to talk. Because we have like, and I'm I'm just I I got the recorder on right now, so we'll go we'll just oh, okay. kind of go with it. Um, we haven't really talked in the podcast. You haven't been on in like at least what year and a half? It's probably been that long. I bet it was uh maybe it was Neil Olson. I was um wouldn't be. It would be that fall after Neil Olson's uh, when I came up to check traps with you. I think Is that oh fall? the sick yeah the sick fall yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I yeah. think I think that was the last time. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so we're really we got to get caught up on your trapping season, obviously, uh, right, right from the beginning, and wanted and maybe a little bit of bear, a little bit of bear stuff. Um, yeah, I know that you've been doing some stuff with the MTA, so I'd like to hear more about that too. And yep. if there's anything else that comes up, you want to talk about, we'll do it. Yeah, sounds good. No agenda. Well, we can, we'll get started with uh, last fall. Um, I didn't have a truck, so I bought a four-wheeler and set it up to trap off of. Um, put a box on the front that holds three five-gallon buckets, and that was pretty much what I had to trap off of. So you can imagine it was interesting me running uh, those exclusion devices into the woods with that <laughs> at about five boxes at a time per trip. <laughs> yeah. So 
that I didn't I didn't trap a whole lot. I uh, I put a lot of time in deer hunting, um, but I did trap some, trap some muskrats and uh, fish air and a few weasels. So you're in a pretty a little bit of a unique area, like where where I'm at. There aren't much aren't many areas we can ride four wheeler on in in the big woods. Yeah, yeah. So you kind of you, were you able to leave your house from with the four wheeler? Yeah, it's a big. I'm in a great spot, and that's part of the reason. I bought the four-wheeler. I like to ride and have a lot of friends, and my parents ride quite a bit. So I figured I got a good deal on one, so I I bought that. And I'm lucky I live right on a access route, so every town road in the town I live in, um, they're all ATV access routes, so we can ride on those. Um, and then we have well over 100 miles, probably pushing – 200 miles of trails like an access that are atv trails from the house um so a couple of unorganized townships there's some pretty good you know 10 to 15 mile loops uh, maybe even a little more in those in those townships that are actually marked atv trails and that works pretty good as far as trapping you know at the pace i am so you're pretty much pretty staying, on, staying on the trail network. Yep, yeah, I'm staying right on the trail. Um, it's you know mostly logging roads um, for the most part, so I can move right along. You know, thirty-five, forty. I'm actually moving faster double than your the speed that I could in a truck. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can go out and run a a thirty-five mile loop on the four wheeler twice as quick. Yeah, you know, and I can get off it and run down the woods and check quicker than I can out of a truck. Now, a couple of things with the, the four-wheeler. Any issues with uh, other other travelers um, seeing your traps or messing with you? Um, no, no. We, well, for one, there's really no one else trapping in that entire township that I'm in. I might see one other person setting a set once in a while. Um, and the ATV use of these trails down here is crazy. I mean, crazy low. I can go for a ride and, um, in the fall, I could go for a ride all day long, even on like a Sunday. And I might see one other four wheeler all day from like a hundred miles. That's amazing. Wow. We, we have actually quite a few people (laughs) where I'm at. We have quite a few people, uh, riding the trails and, and actually we're probably the, uh, our, what's our towns are probably the same size, huh? Similar, yeah. A little over a thousand people, probably. Yeah, you might have more. We're about twelve hundred, probably. Um, yeah, similar. But but you have more. See, we're we're surrounded by North Main Woods that's closed to ATVs. So if you have more access trails, you may have, uh, you know, people are the people that are out there are scattered. Yeah, yeah, they're they're scattered out, and um, a lot of the people that travel to Maine from out of state seem to stop um central maine there's a lot of trails so a lot of them go there or to western maine so we don't see a ton of out of state atvs in this area and and honestly the 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 amount of people riding in that time of year like i said is is minimal yeah the summer summer is the big season yeah yeah through the summer on saturdays Saturdays and Sundays you see quite a few, but um, midweek it's it's slow. So, you 
your setting are are you still trying to hide your like your boxes and stuff from the trailer? You just oh definitely. Them? Yeah, I'm 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 probably setting them. A lot of them are 100, 200 yards off the road. Oh geez, wow, oh. you're moving. You're <laughs> yeah, because I'm not putting a lot out. So, the you know I'm you're trying to for, make every set count. Try to make them count. If I only put 15 or 20 boxes out, I have to really make sure they're in the best spot that I can find. And I had with the exclusion devices, I'm still using those those wire boxes, which I feel like is really uh, limiting limiting me because every check I had um, fisher activity at at least one or two of them, and I only caught one, so. So what, what do you uh, think? So, so we've experimented with those. And of course, you know, you know, looking back before you probably should have got your boxes before lumber prices skyrocketed. Um, exactly. <laughs> but, <laughs> but anyway, uh, we, we had talked about this because I used the cages for a couple of years and had all the same issues that you're having, but, but you took some measures to try and, uh, compensate for some of those issues right i mean you were wiring them uh solid to a tree getting them up off the ground making sure they weren't movable making sure the fisher had to approach from one side right um yeah all of my boxes that i put out are either wired in three or four spots to a tree as tight as i can get them or i pile a ton of debris on top of the box on the ground to pretty much make it so the fisher can't pull it out of that debris i'll find like eight to ten inch rotten logs and just pile it up on top of the box um basically turn it into a cubby or something like that just trying to weight it down um because you know what it's like if a fisher gets a hold of one of those it's pretty much just tears it up out of commission and i actually had i believe it was the same fisher he did uh it tore the side of those boxes right now even when i'd have the side of those wire boxes secured he would he could snap it i mean he could break the wire on it and tear at them it was definitely a fisher but it wasn't a bear but it was it would yeah it would just thrash the box it would twist it and pull it right off a tree i had it wired on tight and pull it right down on the side and um see where it chewed on the wire and stuff like that so now and that's probably a big big male he probably there was no way he was going to put his head in that box to crawl in there so you think he? It's not that he couldn't see the opening. It's it's that he he couldn't fit in it. Yeah, that'd be my guess. I mean, he probably had hopped up on the log and looked in and was like, "Man, I'm not gonna do that." And they just <laughs> started thrashing at it until he got what he wanted. You know, eventually they would either you know try to pull the bait out through the back or tear the try to tear the box in half. Basically, yeah, I had that happen. That's the first time I've had that happen where you know, where the box comes together was actually opened up. Yeah. But yeah, I've had, I guess that was a big male that did that. I've had them kind of messed up by bears like that. They were open, not all the way open, but they were open a couple inches, you know? Yeah. And this one, I, you know, I had snow, so I had tracks coming to them. Fisher. And that was a big, it was a big track. So yeah, that one, if I had the time, I wish I did. It's hard um, with with work that time of year. We really our schedule is like it's the same, but I never know when I'm gonna have to stay after for a couple hours 
um, because of spawning and stuff like that. So sometimes it'd be like if I set footholds, I'm I'm gonna be pretty late going to check them, which just is difficult. But I'd love to be able to do that in that area because yeah. then I feel like I'd catch all of those, you know. <laughs> So we're, we're most, we're most <laughs> yeah, were you were most of yours uh three day checks or five day checks? All five. Five day, yeah. 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 Well, you know, once in a while I'll have one, you know, where I can get to it from from the car. You know, that, that's a three day check. But and I've done that with a snowshoe little snowshoe loop I did with like six or seven boxes two winters ago. Um that was three day check and I was pretty much checking those every other day just because it was easy and it was nice to get out and go for that loop with the snowshoes every couple of days. But yeah. Um, yeah, mostly five. I like to give myself, I usually check more often than five, but I like to have the option to push it out. Yeah. If, my, it's, if it's cold and not warm and stuff like that. Right. Mine's five. Mine are all on five day check for the most part. And I will, I will check every three to four days. I mean, typically I, I almost, I very seldom go five. Um, and like you say, it's so like for folks that are not familiar, just a little refresher where we are, we have, um, a five day check for body grip traps in unorganized towns. It's a three day check for body grip traps in organized towns. And it's a it's a one day check for any foothold traps. And so, so we kind of have to decide, you know, we're, we're very limited in, in what we set based on, on the, how much time we have to check those traps. So most of us try to set in unorganized towns and set for, for the five day check just to be safe. But then again, like, like you said, when it, when it's, you know, 40 degrees, 50 degrees, um, some last, last season, there were times when it was close to 70. I was checking every two to three days. Yeah, when I caught that, um, the the one fisher that I did catch, it was warm, and I was, you know, checking like every other day because <laughs> it was so warm. I was like, I'm going to have fur slipping and all kinds of problems if I don't check, you know, often if I do catch something. And I'm I'm trapping in that loop I do every spot that looks like there's muskrats. I'll put a couple um, 110s out for muskrats. Uh, that's basically just to keep me out there because – you know, with the only running 15 or 20 boxes, it's pretty common to have nothing. So I always make sure I have muskrat sets. I always, every yeah. time I check, even if it's every other day, I catch something because I have muskrat sets mixed in. So. It is a mental game, man. It can get it so is. discouraging. I'm already dreading this coming fall because I know it's not, not it's going to be less than half as good as it was last year. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you do have to trick yourself because it can really wear on you if you're not catching anything, especially like where I was Martin trapping in a place that really wasn't that great a Martin habitat anymore. Um, it at two, one check, nothing, two checks, nothing, three checks, nothing. You really get wore down mentally and you just don't, you almost don't even want to go out there. And, and then yeah, you're looking yeah. for excuses. Like, then you got a snowstorm coming. You say, oh, I guess I'm going to pull. I'm not catching anything anyway. And then, you know, you pull out and you're done two weeks into the season. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, that really plays a part in it. If you always set something on your line that you know, you know, high chances, like you could set for beaver and there's a good chance that you'll have something on all those trips out. 
But, you know, you're running enough boxes, you don't got to worry about it. At least you'll catch weasels. <laughs> yeah, and it, that's true. The weasels come too, but, yeah, you get a little spoiled <laughs> when you, you start complaining when you're catching weasels. I, I try not to. I, I, I'll I take a weasel. I don't I don't care. But, uh, yeah, you, you can get spoiled sometimes and expect a little more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's nice to at least have a catch. Because at least the yeah. at least it worked. You got something. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm the same way. It's, yeah, I, I'm happy if I catch weasels. It's better than nothing. <laughs> That's the way I look at it. And um, and, it, and it's it really tells a lot. It's it's hard when it's there's no snow on the ground, because you really don't know what's going on. You don't know if it's because the animals aren't there, the animals aren't moving, or your sets aren't drawing them in. And uh, when when the snow hits and I mean, there's no no lie in there. You you see exactly what's going on, and uh, yeah. sometimes that can that can kind of throw you for a loop too. I know I yeah. I I was for you know that uh, that year that when I got sick and you came and drove my truck and got all my traps out of the woods with me, and then I got better and I went back. Remember, I yeah. went back out on snowmobile a couple weeks later, <laughs> and I was out there in you know there was two two and a half, three feet of snow in places. And, and there was plenty of opportunity to see tracks. And I set out a bunch of traps and then I suddenly realized that, Hey, there's no Martin here. <laughs> and you go, no, that, you go 50, 60 miles and you see two sets of Martin tracks, 50 or 60 miles of, of trap line. And, and yeah. so, so like this year we didn't have as much snow, but there, I, you know, the, I don't even know how much our line I ran. I probably ran similar amount of line, but it was nothing to see eight or 10 sets of Martin tracks. Yeah. That's, that's awesome to see them, see the tracks like that. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, um, we really down where I am, we really don't have that many Martin left. Our, our fisher population is honestly, it's booming. I think with a lot of effort with footholds down here, you could, it shouldn't be a problem to get your limit of fish here um, yeah. fairly quick. I, I, um, I'm, I'm thinking about doing that. Uh, I ta- actually talked with uh, Josh up in Alaska wants to come and fish your trap up here some, at some yep. point and, and, and do the foothold thing. I was, th- I was thinking fo- the foothold thing would be a lot of fun. And I mean, you, you problems, of course you have to take vacation time. So you take, I know, you know, you, you got to take at least a week vacation to make it worth setting up a line. And so you've got maybe, you know, eight, 10 days that you're going to, you're going to set and set the, and run those lines. Um, but I, I agree with you. And, and I think it will be a learning experience at first too, because there's probably a lot of details in terms of how, you know, how, where you position the trap in relation to the bait and your guide sticks and everything else. Uh, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be some learning there to, to get that figured out but boy i all the times i see fisher go up to my boxes just like you it's like oh my god if i had foothold traps here (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah and even even martin i had um using those wire boxes i had one martin that um it was probably a mile in between two boxes and that martin i'm guessing it was the same one um visited both of those Right after a snow, we got a few inches of snow, and that night before I checked, that Martin had went to both of them, and he had gotten up on the logs, 
and looked in the entrance of both of them <laughs> and, you know, hopped down and kept on going. Not worth he didn't it. Didn't even hang out. <laughs> he didn't even hang out. I mean, he, he came to the, you know, I was using your L, LDC lore. Um, I mean, with that stuff, they, they'll smell it and they have to come check it out. So, you know, they veer off course, run right in, hop up, look in. Nope. You must've been full. That's the only thing I can think. Yeah, I mean, why wouldn't it, why wouldn't he go in? I I tried I tried a lot of things with, you know. I use muskrat cactuses a lot. That's what I you know have. Um, but I was using trail mix. Um, I was trying a lot of different things to try to get you know. Yeah. Jelly, just yep. a lot of different things trying to get them to go in the box and. Uh, yeah, they just sometimes they just don't want to. Yep, you you can't force them to. Nope. So you're you're in Fisher Country. Uh, tell us about that fishery you caught. Um, it was on a, a little brook. It's a small brook that travels down to a larger one. Uh, not far from pavement, about a mile. Actually, exactly a mile off the pavement on dirt road. Um, first, second trap that I check when I had that little set up last fall it was the second trap it's a spot where a buddy of mine that used to do more trapping he hasn't trapped for a few years he always used to um when everyone could do the leaning pole set he always used to catch martin martin in that spot and i know we caught at least one fisher there before because i had another friend that was riding with him one day and they got a fisher there so i knew you know it's a travel corridor along that brook so i had a box in there and i think it was Thing. I think it was the first year I put a box there. Um, there's a camp not far away, and the uh, the lore was working good. Because the week before, a few days before, a week before, um, the camp owner was out with his dog, and he's like, "You know, my dog keeps leaving camp, and it was quite a way. It's a ways from the camp, yeah, you know, hundreds, hundreds, and hundreds of yards from the camp." And he's like, "My dog, every time the wind shifts, it's a it was a lab and." The dog kept trying to go up there, and I told him, like, don't worry about it. I'm like, the war is up on entry, and the, the trap can't hurt the dog. And he's like, well, I don't want my dog messing it up. I'm like, don't worry about the dog. The dog can't do anything to it, you know? Yeah. But, yeah. And that is the benefit. Of, I do. That's one thing I do like about um, those exclusion devices. Is that I do trap a little bit along a couple uh, trails where a couple people, you know, snowshoe, and they have dogs. I know them, they know me, and, you know, I've told them, you know, don't don't worry about it. If the dog goes off and it, it smells my lure, don't worry about it, you know, because yeah. at least it can't catch their dog. So that's, that's, that's a good one feeling. of the, yeah. down here where there's, you know, I'm trapping sometimes close to people. That's nice. I mean, it's nice not to have to worry about that. Um, but, yeah, so it was uh medium-sized female the fisher okay did you weigh it i caught i didn't weigh it um it, it was probably geez it wasn't that heavy it was like i said it was a, probably a medium-sized you know and a, an Seven, adult six female. or eight six or eight pounds maybe probably yep. probably right probably probably seven or eight yeah it was decent it was okay it wasn't i mean it filled up the box with the fur on it and stuff so yeah so that one I'm gonna get tanned up and uh, hang on the wall. That was that was uh, muskrat for bait. Um, 
that one there had muskrat meat and partridge partridge as well i'm gonna i'm thinking i definitely did because i remember that was one that i every time i went to the trap i had to pick up a few feathers and get rid of them so yeah from you know mice or squirrels getting in it um feathers um i i i think i think feathers in the box helps yeah i like using feathers in the box i use either you know a grouse wing or I'll, you know, I'll, I brush them out and then I chop them off and use pieces of them. The only thing I don't like about them is that everything that gets into them puts feathers all over the place, and then I feel like I have exposed bait. So I, I try my best to always get rid of any feathers every time I check if there's any outside of the box. But, yeah, I. Um, so that's a yeah, that's an interesting deal. I, I I would not consider it exposed bait, but you're thinking it might be. Well, it's it's an animal part, so. <laughs> even though it's outside of the box yeah there's it no... is it is an, an the, our definition of of bait is an animal part so yeah yeah huh. so it, my thought would be you know i i do my best to make sure the feathers stay inside the box and if there's any out when i check i grab them and right yeah you know i make them make them go away so <laughs> yeah yeah that's interesting yeah. like some states actually have a definition of bait that includes the the size of a piece so like, yeah you know like how small do you go like you know <laughs> a p- little bit of dna from the beaver meat and you're at your set is sprinkled onto the snow or shaving or something like yeah. when i was in utah it was um less i believe it was one square inch or one cubic inch yep. so no anything kidding. less yeah. than one cubic inch was not considered bait and so if okay. you had if you had a few little feathers that fell or whatever it, it wasn't yeah. an issue but um, yeah yeah it's that's yeah. one of the, there's tra- trapping is the worst when it comes to the law because there's so many little tiny details um and like boy just to stay ahead of it and try to make sure you're doing everything right is uh it is one of the greatest challenges in the outdoors i think yeah it is and uh yeah Leading into, you know, in, here in Maine, our laws are pretty tough it, with, with trapping. So we have a lot of them. It's not as bad as some places, but they're complicated for a new trapper. Um, for the most part, I think I understand them very well, but I've taken the time to learn them. And uh, anyone that's getting into trapping, I try to make that a point when I'm talking to them to, you know, you know say, you know, if you have any questions about any of this stuff, you need to ask someone that you know knows for sure or you need to you know get a hold of your your district game warden and clarify with them um how they interpret that law um because yeah. take it seriously that's pretty important i mean the, the biggest thing yeah. to me is is take take it seriously because definitely you know if you just oh whatever i just no, don't worry about it well you're gonna you're gonna get a ticket you know you're you are yep. going to get in trouble for if, if you are like that in trapping because you can't you can't make shortcuts yeah, and I know people have you know people have been caught and um, they didn't even realize they were doing anything wrong. They thought they were doing everything right, and then they got a ticket. So it's like if there's any question at all yeah, with trapping, especially here in Maine, it needs to be you need to clarify it. Yeah, um, if you're in Alaska, with the person, don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, clarify it with the person that's going to be the one writing the ticket, and then everything will be good because yeah. you'll be on the same page. 
And and by talking with them and going through that, you also have shown them, demonstrated that you are trying. You're at least trying to understand. Oh, the definitely. Law, it. Yeah. 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 And it might bring up something to them that they're not sure on, and then they're going to, you know, seek out a supervisor or other other game wardens, and they're going to discuss it with them, and you know, figure out the way that the laws needs to be interpreted because it isn't it isn't always easy um even on their part um if if they're not a trapper as well like i said their trapping laws can be there's almost gray areas and they can be a little bit hard to understand sometimes yeah yeah for sure i've had i've run into that situation too and i've actually had i don't know if i ever even mentioned this on the podcast or not but um i had a warden that uh moved a trap for me or he set it off, set a trap off. And, and he said, you know, you were, uh, you had a trap that was out of water. I don't think he did it on purpose. So I set it off for you. And I said, well, was, that was a legal set. Um, what it was, it was a blind set with a 110, which, which blind sets with 110s are legal on land, you know, like trapping for muskrats, which I was doing. Um, it, a baited set needs to be in a lynx exclusion device, but a blind set, can can be set on land and so um he he didn't you know he he did not believe that was the case but i didn't argue it i i you know i just kind of i just respectfully said let's let's check out the book and see i'm pretty sure that i'm right but i'm not you know i'm i'm not uh never never 100 percent sure so we read it and and sure enough that was the case and and everything was fine and he actually went and reset the trap for me which was awesome um, yeah, yeah, and I, yeah, and I mean, I'm sure he felt like you know everyone mis- makes mistakes, including them. It can happen, and yeah, it's it's uh, was a, a learning experience for him as well with that. Yeah, and the fact that you know gave me the benefit of the doubt and just said, I know that you're trying to do it legal, and when he thought it wasn't legal, he you know he just set it off and said, hey, you probably want to move that trap. And if it wasn't legal, yep. that would have been, you know, a huge favor to me if I was in violation. So I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that's yep. always, that's a good point for a lot of new trappers is just, you know, try to develop some sort of rapport with your law enforcement because, you know, we may not agree with the laws, but guess what? Those are not the guys that made them. <laughs> they're just, yeah. they're, their job is to enforce them. And so um, they may uh, feel the same way as you and I do. Uh, but that doesn't matter. The law is the law, and, and uh, we we got to all kind of work within it. So, Okay, that's it for this week's episode, and now it's time for the Cots Bros message of the week. You can go to cotsbros.com, K-A-A-T-Z-B-R-O-S.com, and check out their newsletter. Sign up for the newsletter. You will get uh, emailed Anytime that Kyle has some recent updates or new products, fur market information, whatever's going on at Cots Bros or in the general trapping industry, Kyle usually shares that through the newsletter. And the new product, the TS-85 Setters, be sure if, if you do use TS-85s, these things are uh, going to make life a whole lot easier in terms of, of being able to set a large number of those traps, even though they are pretty easy to set. It's always nice to have a pair of setters there. Those are painted orange, so you don't lose them in the grass. 
uh, a good little accessory to have on the beaver trap line. So go to cutsbros.com. Thanks to those guys for supporting the podcast. Uh, long, long time supporters. And thank you guys for listening in. As always, you can get a hold of me, jrodwood at gmail.com. That's J R O D W O O D at gmail.com. And till next time, keep on talking trapping, keep on thinking trapping. We will catch you on the next episode.